This episode of Right at the Fork is brought to you by Zupan's Markets. And you need to check out, I did this actually over the weekend, Chris, their website. Beautiful brand new website where you go to look at the items they have and also look at their holiday fair. Woo! Yeah. This is where we ordered our stuff for the holidays. It's a beautiful website and there's a lot of choices you have that will whet your appetite for what you can do for the holiday. Absolutely. You can reserve your fresh Shelton's turkey, whether it be cooked or uncooked, side dishes, dessert. We did a ton of those for Thanksgiving, by the way. You can save time and money by ordering online and have it waiting for you at the store. We're actually going to pick it up on Burnside on our way home. There you go. Very convenient. And it's good stuff. You know, what I like, as I noted on the upper left corner of the site, there's a fresh this week button. You click on that and it takes you to their sale flyer. So good deals on everything from uh, Harris Ranch Stranding Rib Roast for the holidays, Honey Glazed Whole Hams, Shelton's Turkeys, Grain Bed Frenched Lamb Racks. And one of my favorite things to get there is just rare roast beef for sandwiches. Mm, I, I could really go to Zupan's Markets right now. Just for that. Another great thing is they have uh, is their flowers, which are unbelievable. I was out at the Lake Oswego location just the other day. Mm-hmm. Beautiful flowers. And you can order those and they'll be delivered. Those will be delivered. Absolutely. It's the freshest, most local market you can find with the best ingredients and prepared food anywhere in Portland. Four locations, and I guarantee it, one of them is near you. Right. West Burnside, Belmont, Lake Grove, and the store I go to most often, McAdam. And, of course, you can check out their brand new, beautiful website, zupans.com. This is Right at the Fork. It's Portland's food scene podcast with your hosts, Chris Angelus and uh, Court Johnson. And this is the first of, it's a two-parter, Chris. Two-part to end the year. Yeah. We thought we had such special guests. Why not? Yeah. And um, we haven't recorded it yet, so you and I are recording this before. No, we have no idea what is going to happen. <laughs> exactly. But you're going to find out with us. Uh, we have Maddie uh, from Eater. Mm-hmm. Uh, Maddie John Bemmon, and also Gary Okazaki, who has become our restaurant correspondent. Yeah, on Right at the Four, his monthly uh, reviews of what it, where he's been to in the month that uh, we haven't got to yet. Right, we're bringing his Instagram to life mm-hmm. on Right at the Four. Yeah, and so um, it's one of the great things that has happened this year. We've had a great year. We've had a fun year. Yeah, a lot of growth. Uh, a lot of growth. Mm-hmm. We have some incredible guests. If you go back and look. In our archives, you're going to find some great interviews. I can't name them all. Right. There would be 40 or 50, um, but some come to mind as particularly excellent. Mm-hmm. Um, you want to hear Greg Denton before he opened Superbite? Yeah. You want to hear uh, Gregory Gorday, which I think kicked off the year. Right. Um, what else? Any others come to mind for you? How about how about uh, Tress Shannon from yeah, Voodoo Donut? Yeah, Trey Shannon was a gr- was a great interview, and he, I, I still think his experience on when he learned how to make donuts. This is you got to go back and listen to it. Could be made into a movie. Yes, because he talked about spending three or four days with these old. I think he said old Jewish donut guys, and then he spent the next couple days traveling around Hollywood handing out donuts to celebrities. It may be someday. And yeah. I think it'd be a fun to, I think it'd be a fun thing to have a trifecta of uh, of our donut mavens here. So you could have 
Nate Snell from Pips. Right. And then, of course, I think everyone who's going to go back in the archives needs to listen to Micah Camden's interview. Yep. It was back in July mm-hmm. or August. Yeah. Um, There's and, been a resurgence of listening, actually, to that one I noticed the other day. Did you really? Yeah. So. And, He's uh, hot right now. And, and a lot of people are listening to Trez because um, Voodoo Donuts has it embedded in their website, yep. which, which is pretty interesting mm-hmm. to watch. Um, but those interviews, and I have to tell you, some of the the interviews that I really enjoyed the most are were from our elder states people yeah. uh, in Portland. So David Machado was a few weeks ago, and we want to have him back for part two. We didn't get to cover enough. Yeah. And uh, Greg Higgins was fantastic, and Ken Gordon of yeah. K- Kenny and Zooks yep. was a great interview, too. Absolutely. A lot of good ones. So, um, And we really enjoyed this year. We experienced... Some wonderful growth in the midst of a year where podcasting was really exploding. Um, so we want to thank everybody, including our listeners, mm-hmm. who have been especially loyal our, and wonder- Especially our listeners. Especially our yeah. listeners. Without listeners, it wouldn't be happening. I always say that at my events, the food is wonderful, the restaurants are wonderful, but if no one's there, yeah. it's not an event. Yep. So without listeners, we don't have a podcast. And we also, of course, want to thank our sponsors, um, Zupans, mm-hmm. um, Chew, who's been with us all year, yep. and we really appreciate that. And um, especially, dear Leanne Bach. That's right. So who's a um, wonderful realtor, digs the Portland food scene a lot, as a matter of fact. Her partner, Ryan, owns Aria Gin, and so she's at a lot of events. I actually met her at one of the, uh, I think the, uh, uh, a feast event at Solo Club before it opened, hmm. and uh, she told me how much she loved the podcast, and immediately uh, we started talking about um, her love of it, and she sponsored us, and we really appreciate that because we couldn't put this on. Yeah, Absolutely. Before we get to uh, our uh, great part one of the end of year show, uh, Chris, we do need to talk about some great uh, trips that are happening in 2017 that people can sign up for right now. I really appreciate the opportunity to go to Europe with the likes of Rick Gencarelli and Jose Chesa. I won't go into a lot of explanation other than to say, if you go to PortlandFoodAdventures.com, go to the blog section, look at the trips we're going to be doing, which are just incredible in Mm -hmm. late September and early October. Right now, before the end of the year, we have an opportunity to save $500 per couple on going on those trips. So now's the time. Now's the time. All right, so without further ado, this is part one of our end of year show. We're going to talk about memorable meals of 2016, biggest surprises, and a whole lot of other things. And some other things. We'll probably wend our way into areas we didn't have planned. Yeah. Because we have great guests. We love the fact that Maddie... Wanted to come on, and of course, having Gary, the two of them here, yep. the energy is going to be great. Mm-hmm. So, um, probably a, it's a great way to take a listen, and uh, you're going to find out a lot of places that you should be going in 2017 for a lot of different reasons, which will ex- be explained in the upcoming hour. Right at the Fork is supported by Upserve. Upserve is the cloud based restaurant management system serving up everything you need to know to run a smoother operation and exceed guest expectations. It's your restaurant. Run it like you mean it with Upserve. Visit upserve.com to request a demo today. Tell them you're a Right at the Fork listener and get special pricing. The Chew Dining Club. Chew Dining Club gives you rewards and intel from Portland's best restaurants. 
check in at participating establishments, and you'll get rewards you want, like free pizzas, beverages, and extended happy hour deals, plus exclusive information and invites to fun food events. Chew. Find it on iTunes or Google Play. Leanne Bach of M Realty. Choosing the right realtor can make or break the buying or selling experience in real estate. Leanne Bach is in tune with the ever-changing Portland landscape, especially as it pertains to our food and restaurant world. Why not work with someone who's in step with you? Find Leanne at LeanneBach.com. L-E-A-N-N-E-B-A-C-H.com. And by Zupan's Markets. Unsurpassed quality from the best meats and wines to the freshest baked goods, flowers, and craft beer, emphasizing locally sourced items. Zupan's has been inspiring food lovers and local chefs for over 40 years with the very best Northwest bounty in Portland, West Burnside, Southeast Belmont, Southwest McAdam, and Lake Oswego. Zupan's Markets. Love your food. All right, we have crammed ourselves into the studio, Chris. We're not crammed. That's one of the few times no, no, we're exactly. crammed. We, we, we were able to, uh, we, we finagled a different studio. So that uh, Gary and Maddie did not have to uh, share the same microphone. Yeah, and, and literally almost sit on top of each other. That would that would. I wouldn't mind. Okay, those, those, I, I can sit I on his shoulders. It. He's tall. <laughs> though, yeah, though, for a first encounter, that's memorable, right? We could do like the cheerleader <laughs> shot where we could all be on top of each other. Yeah. Then we can argue who's going to be the base. Or the mm. Beatles, they used to share share mics, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Old, at Sullivan days. Yeah, yeah. That, was, that was a long no, you time ago. Born there. Was that was that due was that for just like coolness or was that because Ed Sullivan only had like two mics? I have no idea. <laughs> you know, I I have a good friend who I just talked to the other day, Jim Downey, who was at that show. No way. Ed Sullivan show. Oh, wow. 60 what? 4 or 5 something 64, like that. 64. So I think we should go off format and have him on the show sometime because he's a, he's got great stories. He's done a lot with NPR. Um, I think that would be kind of cool to hear from someone who had so it'd been be at, the at that uh, show. right at the fork goes rogue. Yeah, well, I think we should we should also have a little musical bent too. We're gonna we're gonna feature Ariel at the end of right. her Christmas song. That's right. And you know, you're the morning guy in Kink. You know music. I think we got to take advantage of that. Sure. I want to know what they were eating on the Ed Sullivan show. What was backstage? Like, like well, it was in the green green room, or yeah, it's a good question. There, well, there were probably brown M and M's. But this was like early. This, but this was like early, early on. So I don't think that like the artists have the demands that eventually we start hearing about all the time. Right. Oh the, no, the I brown don't think M&Ms. they were prima donnas at that point. Maybe Elvis yeah. were, like had had those. But I'll well, be I'm the principal. Sure. I'll be the principal. Let's go. Let's get back to. <laughs> Gary's getting us back on topic. Gary, Gary, yeah, yeah back on topic. All right, That's so, the beautiful thing. We have people who are really into the food scene here, especially yeah. Gary. He can't tolerate it if we're going to go and not talk about food. Yeah, but so, I started it. So this is so this is the morning after you could have gotten a reserv- You could have gotten into any restaurant in Portland with the ice again for two yeah, days. Yeah, ice apocalypse. Ice apocalypse. Uh, <laughs> that, that's right. That sounds right. I was out last night. Where'd you go? I was. I hung out with Pete Cho at Han Oak for a while. Then we went to Tusk. Oh, Tusk nice. was jammed, jammed at like 10 p.m. Jammed. I'm trying to decide tonight between Dame, Lamoule, and St. Jack. Good, Dame. Good questions. I think we're going to do Dame because I haven't been there yet. I'm catching up with you. you know, yeah, good luck. <laughs> <laughs> All right, maybe, so, maybe in this city. Yeah. So for, so the, for the uh, format of, the, of these uh, review shows, end-of-year shows, I'm going to give you kind of the subject matter, and then uh, we will uh, roundtable it. Okay. 
All right, so uh, th- we're going to start off with the uh, first category here, which is most memorable meals of 2016. In Portland. In Portland. And I'm really going to mostly defer to you guys because uh, it's no secret. I'm not getting out as much as I used to. And um, there are reasons for that. There are good reasons and bad reasons. I'd love to get out more, but I am... Um, but I'm going to defer to you guys for a lot of that. So, Gary? Uh, it's, it's always going to be the same uh, to start off with, and it's always Castagna. I did, we did three special meals this year, and all of them were probably the three best meals I've had in Portland this year. One was a Campachi meal where Justin made. We, I bought a whole Campachi, and he broke it down. It had 12 different dishes of Campachi with 12 other dishes, so like 24 courses and 12 different kampachi dishes. We did a white Alba truffle dinner that we tend to do every year, mm-hmm. and a wild game dinner where he got wild game from Broken Arrow Ranch in Texas, and it's actually wild game. And those were my three favorite in Portland, followed by like super hardcore Ryan, Ryan Roadhouse, Notoguro, and lastly, it was a Trevor Moran, Vince Wynn dinner, collaboration dinner. Uh, I've been to a few Jolie Lade dinners this year, but Trevor Moran, who used to be the sous chef at Noma and was the CDC at uh, Kepper's Seat in Nashville, he absolutely crushed it, crushed it. I don't know if we have any listeners from Nashville. If you do, and if Trevor opens a restaurant in Nashville, you go, you be the first ones there, and you'll be blown away. Hmm. Man, I, those uh, those all sound amazing. I didn't get to try the 24-course uh, Castagna dinner. That sounds pretty excellent. Especially when he, uh, or if he's bringing over truffles. I am. I, I brought her over. You brought him over. Yeah, he arranges his own amazing dining experiences. <laughs> Upward amazing. See? Uh, <laughs> yeah, you, you will make sure that it's, that it's fantastic. Yes. I need to get to Castagna. I, you know, sometimes it's I'm so in town, good. it's last minute, and unfortunately, the price point turns me away and has me going somewhere else. Yep. I, I would love to be able to afford that more often. Go once a year. Yeah, you kind of look at it kind of like a dinner and a show because uh, it's just such a lengthy experience, right? It's almost like you're uh, going to theater. Everyone says four hours. When you you went this year, didn't you, Maddie? Yeah, absolutely. Was it four hours? I've been there for five. You've been there for five hours. Yep. I'm there for like two and a half. Ha! Well, well you well, eat pretty quickly. I, 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 I eat quickly. Do and they, I get do early. they pace themselves based on you? Well, sometimes <laughs> they can't. If it gets busy, um, I'm there at five thirty normally, right when it opens, and I can get an hour and a half of just me. Sometimes. Wow. So, and, and Maddie, how many times do, a year do you go to Castagna? A year? Uh, one, maybe two. So I mentioned that, and I don't mean to sound like a, a cheap guy, but all the meals you're talking about are some of the most expensive meals you can have in Portland. Yes. Right? The best yes. ones. Yes. Yeah, no to girl. Man. That's a real meal. But Maddie, you didn't ask, you didn't, like, I, I'm curious, what was your favorite meal of the year? Yeah. So, favorite meal uh, is really hard to answer, but there are a lot that I definitely can never forget. And one of them was the collaboration dinner at Han Oak. It was uh, Peter Cho, Rachel Yang, Andrew Mace, Earl Ninsom. And we're talking, it was just an amazing space to be able to collaborate in. And it showed me like a whole new style of dining where like it's a fluid restaurant space where people can come in and out and different chefs can work together. That was like a, that was like cutting edge. That's like the new style of dining that I think Portland collaborative, you know, the collaborative nature of Portland cooking Really could um, were they towards. were they going from station to station or were they course to course? Yeah, it was, we it was station to station. Yep, it was a big it was basically like a lawn party, and then everybody moved around. And the best thing is, I really I love new flavors. I love being pushed out of my comfort zone. I love trying new things. And 
the way that they brought all these different dishes, like there was just these selection of pickles and condiments that could go on the side. I mean, we're talking fermented, pickled. There are a lot of different appearances and a lot of different smells. And then you put, they were designed just so well to go with what the food was that it was like a comfortable experience of just trying a bunch of new stuff. In a, and it wasn't dumbed down. It was real flavor. And I just I loved how uh, Han Oak makes that accessible. Any other meals? So Again, uh, I would say the farm spirit. When I go there, I'm always surprised by what uh, Chef Aaron Adams is doing with vegetable plant-based cooking. And he brings new flavors that I never thought you could have. And that's a huge part of it. And that's a great, you know, for me, and Gary and I have this discussion a lot, that's a big part of the meal for me is that experience. Um, I couldn't go out and dine as much as you do alone and enjoy myself that much. I have to have the social discourse. And so I went to, uh, when I was at Farm Spirit, um, I had a really good time, but also the interaction with the chefs behind the counter, to me, is a big part of it. Yeah, um, and they're unique. I remember that as much as I do any flavors. And, and they were great. You know, the soft drinks they have were some I liked, some I didn't like. So I remember that, and the dishes at the end of at the end of the night, uh, you know, without any of the standard proteins that we're used to, uh, it was something I noticed. Um, but also following Aaron on Facebook and seeing the passion that he puts into it, yeah. and how much he loves doing what he does, and you know, he hasn't stayed away from politics. <laughs> so um, there's that end of it too. That's that's important to me. Um, Absolutely, that whole the whole vibe and the restaurant is beautiful. And they when you start really nice talking to him, you'll tr you'll try this butter that's not butter because uh, it's all plant based, and you'll find out that it's sprouted sunflower seeds that he fermented for two weeks. Or you know, a lot of these dishes, you take one bite of them, and it's like, oh, that's a really great flavor. But if you hear about it, it's like that took two months of preparation to lead into that dish, and then you're like, oh, that's why that is so surprising. You know, it took me. Oh, I question a lot sometimes the effort that goes into this. Not, I don't question it, but I marvel at it. Oh God, yeah. Because it's not something I, I'm not. Uh, I'm not a detail-oriented person. So, you know, when I'm cooking, it's generally I, I care, but I can never imagine putting two weeks into a dish. And and not only that, it's not just one dish. It's a lot of different, you know, at Farm Spirit, how many courses do you have? And how many dishes are there that took yeah, 10 to days, 15. weeks, hours, and thought that weren't just, you know, taking some ingredients that were dropped off by Cisco that day? <laughs> exactly. And tangentially, Chris, I'm eating... I'm eating less alone these days in Portland. It's And I'm eating with a lot of people now. Good. Night after, and while time... I mean, it's, it's different. It's a different experience. And we've talked about it before many times, and I don't... I mean, it's nice to have a balance, I guess. Yeah, I'm not criticizing you, because I, I go out to eat alone a lot. I went out alone this morning, and I was going to actually, before I forget, balance out what we're talking about here with... A, a meal I just loved this morning. I went to our Lita Library Cafe. Oh, yeah. Beautiful. I hadn't been in a long time. Totally. I had the Sicilian hash, and I thought, this is just so delicious and so tasty, and it was, you know, not $125. And by the way, I, I don't poo-poo $125 meals. I understand the value of those. I put some of those on totally. myself. But on the other hand, one of the great things about 
Portland is that you can get a lot of great food for not a lot of money. No, no. <laughs> we talked about this before. There's a price escalation in Portland where whereby it's just, it's just changed from like four or five years ago. Yes, it used to be Portland used to be very value oriented. It's not anymore. And I don't I don't know what to tell you. I not mean, as I, much. It's still value oriented, don't you think? I, 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 I can eat better and cheaper in San Francisco and Chicago and Los Angeles than I can really? in Portland. Oh God, yeah. <laughs> but for a lot it's, of those restaurants in San Francisco, for instance, though, I think the fine dining restaurants. Well, like, yeah, I, that's something completely different. Yeah. I mean, like uh, uh, Alta is is less expensive than most many Portland restaurants, and it's it's a it's a great one Michelin starred restaurant. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, the, the, I don't know what I mean. This is one of the biggest criticisms I have of Portland dining is the fact that it's no longer as reasonable as it used to be. Yeah. Absolutely. I think I think that's a function of the economy. They don't have to be as competitive as they were. I think any place that's great can open up and do well. I don't think so. I think this year showed showed us the opposite, don't you think? Right, but I, but what I'm saying is it's not like a few years ago that no. if you weren't really dialing it in every day you weren't. You didn't have people in. There, a lot of restaurants are crowded now. That was not yes, the case three totally. or four yes. years ago. Yeah. Charge with a markable bear. Right. Yep. And, and so on top of that, you've got the um, front of the house, back of the house issue right now. And so some menus are the pricing is going up 20% without tipping. And I think what that's going to do is, is like similar to gasoline taxes. You know, it's going to go where anybody will pay. So, so uh, some of the companies will raise the prices without taxes just because that's what the standard is. And we can talk about that in next week's show to talk a little bit about what's going to happen. But, um, yeah, it's it's not as – you're right, Gary. It's not as inexpensive as it was. But on the other hand, you got food carts. You have so many wonderful options to just go have a well, cheap Well, how, how meal much are here. food carts now? 12 13 You pay 12 dollars $13, $14 for a food cart Well, meal? I understand that, Good but point. it's not it's not 80 So if you want to have a cheap meal – There are excellent uh, papooses on 82nd that are $2. Okay, you're right. <laughs> okay, yeah. Okay, you're right. You're right. But yeah. that's not yeah. – you're right. I agree. You can go to 82nd and find great Asian food – hole-in-the-wall places that are very reasonable. I don't know a lot of those places because I don't do it. They're harder to find. They're hard, sure. Yeah, but they're there. Yeah, they are. And they're cheap. That's the fun stuff. But you That's can find that research. in any city. Yeah, exactly. Um, but um, you can, I think, I think more so in Portland than anywhere else that I know of, you can find a food cart, and while it may be $12, that's a lot less expensive than uh, a brick-and-mortar restaurant would be. Yeah. And again, often I think the thing that sets Portland food apart is the wealth of like ingredients that we're working yes. with. So oh, yeah. it's a different price, or maybe it's the same price, but the ingredients are different. Definitely exactly. Different. And the creativity of the chef. So someone who's in oh, a yeah, food cart may have worked under one of our many great chefs, and they Burger have that mindset. Right. They have that- Don Salamone. Right. Oh, they have that mindset that they're going to do something different. They can't just do- a standard fare. Speaking of Burger Stevens, quick aside, uh, <laughs> Don Salamone owns it, but he, his his number two at Burger Stevens is a guy named Skyler Stover. Skyler Stevens. He was he was the commis of um, of Philip Tessier at the Bocuse d'Or. I don't know if anyone uh, I don't know if anyone probably knows who or what Bocuse d'Or, d'Or is. It's like the Olympics of food. They people try, train for two years to go to France to try to win a gold, silver, bronze medal. And Skyler is actually cooking burgers at Burger Stevens, and he was the number two to Philip Tissier when they won either they, when they placed either second or third a couple of years ago at the Bocuse d'Or. So go say hi wow. to Skyler. And so and so what you just I think what you, you just know. touched on 
is what makes Portland very different than any other place because that guy in that at Burger Stevens, and by the way, in Southwest, and I hope you didn't fuck that up because there isn't there aren't a lot of choices for me to go in Southwest. I kept on bugging Don, saying I'm not. I, I need a ride yeah, exactly. out there, Don. Exactly. I need a Don. Don, co- I need a ride. And he said, gonna- "Yeah, sure. Come, you know, yeah, right." <laughs> I've known Don for years. He's not doing caviar? No. <laughs> I just I need a ride. I can get. A, I'll get a ride in January. I thought you were I'll driving take you out there. now. I am, but I'm not going to go all the way out there. Why? So, but is it, Why? My, I sit in the car for 45 minutes to go to your neck of the woods okay. when I want to eat. <laughs> yeah, Colin. I think Colin's taking me next month. What to Burger Stevens? Yeah, yeah. And you still haven't been to Paiche, right? No. Mm-hmm. That you got to do. We ch- have, have, have Jose Luis change the time. Like he already th- did. But he, the last seating is seven forty-five, I think. Okay, well that's too. Yeah, that's, uh, you need like an eight eight thirty. I thought you liked the early seatings. Well, the traffic to go from deep east it's not to three hours. No, it's not three hours. But so I have to sit in the car for like an hour, Uber for an hour. I do that. You can listen to a podcast. Uber car. Yes, you can listen to a podcast. Okay. <laughs> Probably a great way for us to segue into this next subject. And okay. I think I think Maddie kind of hit on this a little bit. Biggest surprises of 2016, because I think some of the biggest surprises were the cl- some of the closings that happened this and year and how rapid they were. Yeah, and this is a little bookend on our first podcast or one of the first when yeah. we had Kurt, Kurt on, who yeah. said you're going to be really surprised at what happens in 2016. But can I ask he Maddie a question? Um, Maddie, you keep track of the openings and closings. There have been more openings and closings, isn't that right? Honestly, I didn't keep track of all of 2015, so I can't really compare the uh, numbers, but uh, we're around something like 75 closings. Okay. Or more. And how many openings? What's the net? Uh, I'm trying to remember. We were up to 65 when I did the list in September, I believe. So it was pretty much even. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Closings to openings. Very similar. Yep. And before Kurt, before Kurt predicted it, I, I, I went I, on Eater. I think a couple years ago, I said there were too many restaurants and there'll be many high-profile closings. This was a couple years I've ago. I've been listening to that for five years from people, especially- But they've been wrong for five years. I think I hit it pretty much right, right on, kind of. timing, yeah. I you thought my timing was pretty ago? good. <laughs> Did you predict which ones would be closing? No. <laughs> that's even hard. That's a harder game. <laughs> yeah. But also, in addition to like the speed at which these places closed, the rise of the fast, casual counter service as like a totally new style of dining- I mean, or, or at least moving into a new area of of its of, its, of itself. It's metamorphing into uh, this crazy popular thing where you can get all different types of food done like this. And so, it goes to a couple of points that we've already made. One is cost; it's mm-hmm. keeping prices right. a little cheaper. And to the that front of the house, back of the house minimum wage issue, which is now up in the air. And they're just again. getting rid of the service side of it, you right. know, which is you know a huge. <laughs> fascinating thing because dining has always been about service in america for so long and i had i i, I love fast casual in fact some my, my favorite fast casual restaurants were hot yeah was probably one. Oh yeah pokemon would be two three would probably be um what would be number three uh well what else is up there oh kios chaos ramen i love chaos i always talk about chaos ramen it's my favorite ramen the tanta is my favorite ramen in town um Marukin, Pine Street Market. Uh, well, Pine Street. I don't, I don't, I don't. What's wrong with Pine Street? Well, it's counter space. <laughs> is what I was saying. Yeah, but it's 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 just such a. I hate to. I, I could swear. Can I swear? Yeah. It's kind yeah. of. A, it's a little bit. Of, it's a little bit of a shit show there. Okay. Why? They're they're like so few seats. People at around noon they just 
converge on the place. You can go at like 9 a.m. and no one's there. I've That's never great. had a problem at noon uh, or one. Uh, you, lo- you, love the food? you love the food there? Are the food all that great? Well, I've, I, had, I, I've had a lot of food I've there. Had a, I've sampled a little bit, but I, d- I was going to say that one of my little routines that I've established is after our recording on Mondays, and it is Monday, I guess, is going down and having a little trifecta, trifecta annex pizza, nice. slice of that. Um, and they got a new oven in there recently, yeah. or like six months ago, and I guess that's kind of uh, changed it a lot. I haven't tried it. It's a it's a great slice of pizza, and it's close by to where we record. Right. And, and Marukin. Jump in. I, I, Marukin ramen is great. I love that stuff. I've, well, the last time I went to Marukin, it was not good. Oh, really? Yeah. I haven't had it in a month or two. I had, we had like three in one sitting. Now, are you saying that because it's not a local Portland entity? Oh, uh, no. And you feel the, safe in saying no, that? No, no. Because you usually don't like to say I don't, I don't. negative and, about But yeah, why, when I do my monthly thing, I try to stay more positive. But this is like a year-end thing. I'd, well, I'd like to be more, a little bit more forthcoming, I guess. Um, I, have, I have issues with the uh, furries, uh, Raman, too. That's one of the most That's, fascinating subjects in the city right now for me. <laughs> Ramen or just Afuri's ramen. Afuri's ramen. Yeah, their style. Yeah, I'm. I kind of. I step out of this because I'm not a big fan of not of ramen. You're not a fa- yeah, big fan of ramen. I mean, I'm not. It's, I I don't get what why we need so many of them. Oh, but let me regarding Marikin. I ha- I haven't gone like in a few months, but I've heard recently that I know people have gone recently and said it, it's 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 a lot better. So. I just haven't gone. You've waited in line there, haven't you? Market? Yeah. yeah, I went the first. Oh, I went. No, like, I thought so, you were talking about a furry. I I'm waited sorry. in line at a furry too. I mean, like, um, yeah, furry is, is it's very polarizing. It is because you know Portland Monthly came out with a favorable review, and then uh, the Oregonian said it was pretty bland, and then now Andrea Damwood at the Mercury's come out with a review, and she says that it's kind of bland as well. And and when you talk to a furry, they're like, we are making the most precise, perfect uh, broth on earth because we're using bricks readers. I mean, it, it's like a science uh, lab back there. And they're trying to make a clear, uh, more dynamic broth, but it doesn't pack the punch that a lot of people It's want. very subtle. Yeah. Uh, and, and uh, yeah, I've had better ramen in Tokyo. I mean, <laughs> I mean, they're in Tokyo. They have like six that's, locations. That's kind of an expensive deal to get over there just to have that. Well, like Ivan, Orc- Ivan Orkin makes better. Well, that's New York City. I mean, ramen, the ramen shop in Oakland. I mean, they're around. I mean, it's it's fine, it, but it's so busy. And I've said this before. It's, I'm a, like a broken record. It's so friggin' busy. And I, I I enjoy it for it. It's a beautiful, it's a beautiful restaurant. And that goes back to my biggest surprise is there's no game-changing restaurant in Portland, Oregon. Zagat's did this thing recently where they listed the 26 hottest food cities in the last year. Portland didn't make the top 26. Well, wow. Le Pigeon is a game-changing restaurant, but it changed the well, game in 2007. Yeah, exactly. And so, well, Long Bond, Long, Long Bond changed the game. But I'm saying yeah, this Long year, the, the biggest surprise of this year is that of the new restaurants, there's a whole bunch of solid new restaurants in Portland, which I, which we need. But there is no game-changing well, I'm restaurant. I'm going to ask you about that. Do we really need that? If we didn't have that, if we didn't have one new restaurant opening this year, would we survive? I, I'm some nights I'm thinking, where do I want to go eat? I'm like thinking, well, uh, can I fly to San Francisco and please eat at Institute or Qua or Tele Cran or Bennu or or um. Uh, well, and you do do that? Yeah, I just got back from San Francisco this week. I mean, the gloves are off. I mean, I I I, I, I will tell you, I did go to Bayota for lunch, and yeah, I was. It's a three star review from Bauer, but you know what? 
Jose Chesa really is killing it at Atella and Chesa. I like Atella more than Chesa, but yeah, Atella and Chesa just is, it's, we, sh- we should appreciate the fact that Jose Chesa is here and making the food he's making because it's not easy to find really good food of the type that Jose is making elsewhere. Jose Andres is doing a pretty good job at Haleo, but you know, Jose Andres really isn't around the restaurant anymore. And I've seen Jose written up nation in national publications as, you know, he's doing something special that isn't being done in the United States. I, I appreciate it more. I really do. I mean, I, I've been to Coqueta this year in San Francisco, Marco Chiarella's place. I've been to Bayota, you know, and it's, you know, it's just Jose's. I'm just impressed. So he's up there doing a similar stuff along yeah. the, that level. And yeah. you know, the yeah. incredible thing, I can say a lot about Jose, but the incredible thing is I've had the opportunity to spend personal time with Jose and hang out with him. You you, you could walk away not knowing he's a chef <laughs> yeah. because he do, he's passionate about food, but it's not all he talks about. And... Um, he's not snobby about it at all. No, he's, he's just, very, he's very hospitable. He's always like, how are you? You know, like I love right. his, uh, he's always focused on, you know, others. Yeah. It's, it's beautiful. He, he's, and that's what makes one of the things that makes his restaurants different is that he's running around making the rounds, <laughs> um, and he's there, right? You can't, you can't get him out. Yep. I was, we we're putting together a little reunion party for our Barcelona people the last two years. He wrote me one morning and said, can we do it in the morning? This is a party. So, Good culture. But even though I, was, I'm, I know I'm sounding negative, but the, there are two kind of game-changing things that happened this year in Portland. Deadshot. I, within oh, yeah. the concept of it being a one-night-only bar, which is making some really intriguing bar food, I'm... Duly impressed. Um, Absolutely. And also, Dame. I don't know if Dame's a wine bar or a restaurant. It, uh, uh, spoiler alert, it's my favorite new restaurant in Portland. But if you consider it a wine bar, then it becomes game-changing. Is there a better wine bar making that type of food from Eli Dolan in the United States and with the skill of Dana, Dana Frank doing the wine list and her staff, which is some of the best um, service in, in town? It really, in that respect, if it's a, if you consider a wine bar, it is a game-changing thing in Portland for 2016. If it's a restaurant, is my favorite new restaurant in the world, and my favorite new restaurant in the city. Uh, but you know, it's it's lovely. But you're not a big wine drinker, uh, but I I drink there. I just let them pick. Yeah, well, I that, think that's what you do. That's what yeah, you do. Yeah. Right. You generally let chefs pick what you're eating. And is it because of the pairings that you really fell in love with it, or is it the food? It's itself? everything. Even yeah. even the even the space. I mean, I, I I love Cat, and I was sorry to see Cocot close, but um, but but Dana really Dana and Jane, Dana Frank and Jane Smith, the co-owners, really did a nice job converting that space to make it warm. Yeah, it's beautiful. And like I said, the service is 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 is, is stellar. The the paint color. I hate to bring that up because we're talking you don't about like the service. Blue? No, it's absolutely beautiful. It's okay. called Oasis. Is that it what Lemuel used? Same color? I don't I, think so, but they have two. They <laughs> they have similar vibes to both of them. They're they're just inviting to walk into. You can't you can't not be happy being there. And I haven't eaten there yet. I just walked in for a meeting to talk to her. I'm going tonight, so this is a preview. Uh, you're previewing it for me, and you're solidifying my decision to go. Um, but yeah, that was one of the most beautiful spaces in, in 
Portland, and it's certainly a great block. If someone's coming to Portland from out of town, if you lead them there and just, like, close your eyes and spin <laughs> around, you're going to do okay. Right? Yes. <laughs> you know, I don't know about you, Court, but I've gone through a number of real estate transactions in mm-hmm. my time, and I've had some great ones, and I've had some not-so-great ones. Right. And the key is picking the right realtor right off the bat. It all comes down to the realtor when it, when you get down to it. Right. Especially in a hot market. And you and you need to act fast and you need to negotiate uh, from a strong position. Yeah. And in, in a matter of days, if not half of a day, Chris, could mean thousands of dollars gained or lost. Right. And market knowledge as well. Mm-hmm. So we've known Leanne for a little while now. And I can tell you this, she's tuned into the food world. So I would say if there's anyone listening out there and they want someone who understands where they're coming from and where they want to come from when they go to a restaurant, Leanne is the one to call. And that number would actually be 503-349-7890 or go online to leannebach.com. That's L-E-A-N-N-E-B-A-C-H.com. Do it. We love Leanne and, and she's here to support not only us, but our entire Portland food world. All right, I think we hit. I think we hit a little bit of biggest changes in 2016. A little bit in there, but outside of closings, what are some of the other changes? The big changes. Of I'll 2016? give you one that I've whined about enough. Yeah. Traffic. Right. So we touched on it before. <laughs> the traffic has hit new levels in Portland. Yeah. And but that, I think that has a bearing on dining. I know I've talked to a couple of restaurateurs in Northeast who are feeling it because people like me who live in Southwest. That's interesting. Yeah. Um, aren't, yeah, I just am. I, it, the so, thought of, you know, you're the thought you had of going yeah. from where you live to Southwest. See? I'm going the other direction. But, and but, it's, it's just like, fuck, I don't want to do this. I totally agree with you. And I think what's going to happen is quadrants, people will stay within their own quadrants. So, people in the Southeast will stay in the Southeast. People in the Northeast will stay in the Northeast, et cetera. Because it's going to get more and more difficult to go. Across, not even just even across the river, across quadrants. So you'll you have a proliferation of neighborhood restaurants. And I thought I think that's what we've seen this year. We have many solid new restaurants within a neighborhood concept. Yeah, but that's the people like me who are in Southwest. We're the ones who are going to suffer. Yes, and I'm not talking about inner Southwest. There's you know opportunities there, but you know that's one reason I I love Paiche. That's one reason I love Baker and Spice. Because I can get there, and it's not a big investment. I went to Otto and Anita's last night with a great friend of mine and just commented, this was wonderful. I got here in six minutes, and, <laughs> and, it, and now I'm relaxed. But that area, the, your, the southwest area you're talking about, that's the area, well, that's where a lot of the money in Portland is. Restaurants will open up there. They'd be stupid not to. I've been encouraging it for a long time, and not that anybody's listening to me, but I'd love to see it, it will happen. happen. It will happen. And everybody automatically goes... You know, northwest, southeast, automatically. No, it'll change. Believe me. You think so? Oh God, yeah. In 2017, or are we waiting? Well, maybe, are we waiting until 2020. No, 2018. Okay. All right. St. John's will blow up too. That's another area I think may blow up. Well, that's that's impossible to get to for me. Oh, really? Okay. Well, from southwest well, to get to St. John's. Yeah, for you, your SOL, but the people in that area. I can get there faster from Manzanita than I can from Southwest. <laughs> no traffic. <laughs> or or even court from, from Beaverton, you can get to St. John's easier than you can to some other places. Yeah, it's 
It, it, it I, I'm kind of in the same boat as you, Chris. Is like if if you're going into downtown Portland at the wrong time of day, you might as well you might as well go to the coast because it'll take you the same amount of time. Yeah, no, so. I think that. And and some of my dining now is done when I have business to do in anywhere in Portland at three or four o'clock. And I will just go to a coffee shop and hang out so I don't have to deal with it. You know, I'm not exactly. going home and coming back. So coffee shops, I think, are benefiting because you need, <laughs> you need some time to tide one over. And my, my, you talked about traffic. What I'll talk about, the MVPs this year are not the restaurateurs, not the chefs. It's the people who are actually, and restaurateurs are involved in this, the, the actual designers and architects who are creating these gorgeous, gorgeous restaurants. That's I mean, a good point. We, we, um, we we have from from I mean I could say you know from Shizuku by Chef Nakao I mean yes um, um, Tusk Superbite Rubbery Headwaters Afuri even Nota Girl which had a limited budget they created just a just a stunning space on on nothing and and they just it, they retransformed the old Genoa space and it's one of the best dining rooms in Portland and it's got that little uh, space. The library. Within it, the, the library. library. They call it the library. That place to is hang so out. awesome. Yeah, the it's beautiful. Rugs. And, yeah. I, and I went in for the first time. I, I forgot to take a picture of your plaque there. <laughs> what? You have a plaque? Yeah. yeah on a chair. He has his own chair there. It has a plaque on it. My name. Well, it has my dad's name. That is so is it a conflict of interest for you to discuss it since you no. invested in a plaque? I, no. Well, I invested in a plaque. <laughs> That's all I got. I got a plaque. I spent a lot of money on a $20 plaque. Nice. <laughs> I guess what I got. I got. Does it get you a seat? No, it does not. Well, get no, I mean, uh, well, it doesn't automatically get day. No, because they're sold out. Yeah. So, but what does it do for you? It, it honors my father, I guess. That's oh, so his name is on it. Yeah. Okay. I did. Yeah. That's why I said I missed it. I play. I was sitting there and I said I got to walk around and find Gary's plaque, and I never did. I mean, they might. They might only bring it out from. I don't know if they just bring the chair out for me. I don't know. <laughs> I do sit in my chair. I, think well, I was going to ask if you, if you walked in and somebody was sitting in it, do they have to get out? It's like, eh, Gary's here. No, I would have to imagine <laughs> the, yeah, they, they that make Ryan sure. and Elena yeah. make sure yeah. that that chair is going to be there for <laughs> yeah. you. I'm picturing some kind of throne. Is there like a footstool at the bottom or anything good it's, like Yes, that? it's Ryan's back. He just like sits, under, sits there. I just put my foot on his back. Thanks, Ryan. Now go cook. <laughs> but you're, you're right about spaces and, and uh, atmosphere to me is... I think a lot of the time that's what I'm making, depending on who I'm yeah. with. Making, you know, if I'm going with uh, to have a nice romantic dinner, that's obviously a factor. I'd rather sit in a really sort of dark, dark, nice space than out in the open. Definitely, it helps. It helps places like a furry and Tusk like get more people into the door. They're just they're just inviting places, and and they didn't spend departure kind of money. At oh, Tusk. are you kidding? Well. <laughs> Okay. You okay. know that for sure? I don't know. I don't know what they're heard. I've, heard, I've, I've, there, I've, I've heard a number. Okay. And it's a, a bigger it's number there? than you think. Okay. Then I'm wrong. But it, but it doesn't take a lot to make That's, an well, estate. Nona Girl yeah. didn't take a lot to you know do what I'm, they did. I can't think of any place offhand, but I can think of about three instances where I've been in new restaurants and thought and had conversations. Where is the art on the wall? Why are the walls so barren? Uh when they're opening a restaurant, it's almost as though they want some revenue well, to go out and buy art. No, but Rue has the, the naked Burt Reynolds on the wall. Then Is there a, a naked Keith Richards in Tusk? What yeah, is it? What's... He has a little skivvies on. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Keith well, Richards there you go. in a pool. Well, they have, but not all of them, but I've been to a few restaurants. <laughs> um, there's one that came to mind, La Vieux, right? That was up in Northwest. 
They had nothing on the walls when they opened, okay. and it needed it. It right. needed it badly. Trattoria Fillmore, or Fillmore Trattoria is there now, right? That's right. Yeah. I guess. I haven't. That's not on my radar. What? How's that doing? I don't know. I don't. That's that's a tough location. Even though Atala is like a block Why away. Why is that a tough location? I have no I, idea. I that's have... the other discussion. So oh, if we yeah. go into smallwares, because I we've talked about why was that such a tough location for me? I thought that was a fine location. Yeah, some people say that neighborhood is really vibrant and there's tons of di- people there to spend money on dining. But why didn't it work? I'm confused by that could, could it be could it be matching up the neighborhood with the cuisine? For example, it, it maybe that's maybe, very complicated. I know. Oh, yeah, maybe if Joanna were in a different location in Portland, she would still be in business. I don't know. Everyone think, says Oso Market. If they just switch places, like Oso Market and uh, Smallwares, like they like those, it's all about location sometimes. And that neighborhood could need a little bit more of a retail aspect in the restaurant, and Oso offered that. And Smallwares is like, let's have some fun and more of a vibe. That neighborhood in South Grand, Southeast Grand is that's a great happening. point. But we asked Jesse. And the it hasn't run yet, but we, it's yet to be answered. We asked him whether he thought also the the demise of Oso was the popularity of Kachka and Bithouse in the same neighborhood and Trifecta, whether there was just too many great places in the area to for it to be able to sustain. But but what what about? I mean, right now. Dame is doing, from what I could tell, very, very well. And within the last couple of years, it was Cocotte. Do you know what it was before Cocotte? Uh, it was Micah Campton's yeah, place, fats. right? Fats. Yeah, and that didn't last very long either. No, that was also before that place had really become what it is now. No, Beast was there. Cup and Saucer was there. Uh, DOC was there. It was, it was a, it was a hopping place back then. I mean, it's just, it's just sometimes getting the right thing in that, in that space and. Seemingly, the right thing right now in that space is Dane. How do you do the research to know that ahead of time? I don't know. That's that's I don't know. I'm not I'm not a restaurateur, and it's t- that's one of the toughest things. That's what that's what could keep me up at night is picking the right location. You you want to consult with people? So you, or yeah, actually well, I, I don't. It, actually, it's the reason you sleep that you're not a consultant. Yeah. Get true, some sleep. True. Um, what do you think, Maddie? What do you think about smallwares? I I. Constantly, for me, that neighborhood, you know, if you if you look at a map, it's a, a half mile, a mile away from what we're just talking about, Dame. Why can't people go to, why couldn't people go to Smallwares? I tend to think it was too large a space. You know, I report on closings nonstop, and I don't, I've, I still cannot figure out leads to places like Smallwares. What, what happened there? I mean, that's beautiful cooking, um, really high profile cooking. Fun, really fun atmosphere. Mm-hmm. I have no idea why that place closed. Easy to park. That's yeah. an issue Parking's for me. Fine. Parking's yep. always an issue. Am I gonna, yep. if I'm deciding between two or three places, am I gonna be driving around the block? Am I gonna pay? Yep. Um, yeah, and I'm always, and I, and I just come down to like maybe the neighborhood doesn't have a lot of uh, people that are dining. You can know, I, but can I ask you something about smallwares? Yeah. I mean, like the, I, I, I was there a number of times. One of the main issues I had was Joanna's cooking was very assertive both from a salt perspective and from a spice perspective. If you're a family with kids, do you, I mean, I, I, I don't know. I, I've never asked Joanna, okay, now can you you know reduce the spice? I wouldn't do that. I mean, if she, but I don't know if other people came in and could do that. I don't know if she would. I'm assuming she would. But could that be an issue? That's interesting. Where, where it's not really, it, it, it's tough for families to go to small wares, and that was a family residential she neighborhood? She had a family, she had 
uh, a kids menu there. So, oh, okay. Okay, I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah, I know. It's probably, it's probably when, less spicy and more. When we did our um, no, sound bite. That, was, uh, it, that stood out to me just because I've got two, two daughters that I try to take to places and I have to try to find the places that makes the most sense. Did you go um, there, Corey? But we never made it there, but I, it always stood out that she had specifically said she had a kid's menu. Heather Good. pointed it out. Right. Yeah. That was Heather's. Yeah. So that's not an issue. As a matter of mm-hmm. fact, for me, if there's too many kids there, it might drive me away. Okay. Like I like barwares. Yeah, well, you liked. I like barwares. Yeah. So are there any places, um, we all have our standards for, you know, I refer to Eater all the time, Maddie, when I'm traveling. Excellent. So um, I was in Austin earlier this year. That was one of my favorite food trips ever. I bet. And, um, they know how to do queso. <laughs> yeah, they know how to do a lot. Actually, I referred to Eater to kind of hone it down, but then I did the standard posting on Facebook, and I have enough great you know, uh, worldly people or uh, to have given me some great suggestions. I think my favorite was Doug Adams uh, telling me to go for Lucy's Fried Chicken, on the, Lucy's on the Lake in Austin. Um, but at any rate, uh, people refer to Eater all the time. You're changing your list constantly. But if someone, a friend, avoids looking at Eater and calls you, where do you tell them they need to go? I mean, you probably say, go look at my list. I've done a lot of work on this. I often do that. But, uh, you know, for my really close you know, friends and family, I love to make some catered um, suggestions because I know who they are and what they want to eat. Right. That's always the question. When someone asks me where to go, I'm like, well, how much do you want to spend? What neighborhood are you in? There's about 50 other variables. But I do have some favorites. Um, I mean, you have to do kachka because it's such a unique uh, introduction to Russian food. And it's ton- and there's tons of vodka involved. So win-win. Uh, Le Pigeon is always bold, always surprising me. I've had meats cooked there that I just didn't know you could cook meat like that. I love Le Pigeon. Um, but that's also if people are into that style of dining because it is very intimate in there. And some people you know, prefer more uh, staid uh, service. How do you how do you suggest people get into those places? That see, I always part of my suggestions are also they come with a strategy on how to get in. <laughs> I didn't know there there aren't that many difficult places to get into Portland, Oregon. Really, if you want if you want to go to Ox and you, Five, 445, get there 445, 450. That's exactly it. That's okay, the strategy. Okay, or, or, exactly. or, 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 or call up. I mean, Greg has told me numerous times there are times that we're not busy. People think we're busy at well, oh, 6:30 on a Wednesday. If they would just call up. And talk to someone, Ox. Then they could, you know, call right. you up. That's a, there's something I called just, a phone. Yeah. I just yeah. went about three weeks ago on a at six o'clock, and we got we got right in. It was really nice. Name another place. Toro Bravo is is a little bit of a challenge. And again, I tell everybody get there early. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Coquine. I mean, uh, there are secrets. Co- Coquine has reservations. Do you know the if secrets you that you're willing to divulge? Well, I mean, no, they, they're like... on open table. Oh, Coquine's on right. open table. Right, Plus, right. the bar area is for. Walk-ins. So, do they leave a few tables open that day so that you can? No, I mean uh, no, they leave they leave the bar area open. So, if you want to walk in, you sit at the bar area. I feel like uh, they always, if it's summer, they always leave the all patio the tables outside. Yeah, pa- yeah, the patio. So, yeah, it's all for walk-ins. Nice. And then three, call at three p.m. on the dot and just see, because often I've gotten reservations that way. Well, and well, the hardest reservations from I would believe would be Longbon. And yeah. no to girl. Oh, God, yeah. and Those exactly. are the two. <laughs> Those However, are difficult. if you follow Earl on Facebook, sometimes he'll post, hey, we have something in 20 minutes. Or, or okay, go to the website, go to reservations on Longbon. You, if, if you want, let's say, t- 
tonight at 8 p.m. and it says no reservations available, there's also a little button that says notify me. You can, you can go to pick a date, two weeks away, say notify me, and just hit that button. Or if you're a single diner, that's really easy. I mean, if I want a reservation in three weeks or four weeks, three to four weeks, I just I just look for one for a single diner. I know there aren't you know single diners not there. Aren't, I mean, that's a very specific case. There are a lot more available. For yes, single diners yes. Than there are for you, you sit at you sit at the counter, and not just single diner. I mean, we're talking planning three to four weeks ahead. We're talking dropping a lot of money. <laughs> and yeah. the, how hard it is to get inside. There are a lot of hurdles, but the food is worth it. So, are you talking specifically about Longmont? Uh, I was thinking Notagura. Oh, Notagura. Oh, that well, too. well, yeah, that's something. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't well, know. so what I lo- you mentioned it before. What I love now is Deadshot. So oh, yeah. you can get it's you so can cool. get the hold fast dining, a little bit of the vibe, right? Oh, and yeah. and they're a. At half they're, the price, they're, or they're, they're maybe a quarter a good the price. Time and you can just walk in and order what you want and have a great drink and a couple of bites. And hang, I ran into you. I've run into some cool people It's there. so cool, yeah. It's the industry hangout, yeah. Monday nights. It's Monday nights, And yeah. let's talk about fried chicken skin as chips in nachos. I mean, that is genius. And that they is, also did pig's ear nachos, too. Ooh, I haven't had that one. Is but, that recent? Uh, I, don't I think just it, had some... They served me some nachos. The other, which ones did I have? Because I was... With someone, and they that might have been chicken skin. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Man, with the homemade, house-made pimento cheese. Uh, depending on what they're doing, it is always fun. And they're and you know they're loving doing what they're doing. This was not just like, hey, we got to open on Monday night, so yeah. let's see. And, and don't forget about Adam Robinson and his cocktails at that shot. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely, and let's not forget that he. See, this is the beautiful thing about Portland. Not only is he at Holdfast, he's an expatriate right. too. So, this is like all stars who move around. It's like yep. your favorite baseball player is all of a sudden hitting for your Mets. You know, who comes in for a week and does that, or just on Monday nights he bats cleanup and then goes back to his other team. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so we've covered some things that have gone on. Maddie, do you have some something that comes to mind about? 2016 that you want to talk about? I just think uh, there were a lot of lessons learned, but I'm not sure if anybody really knows how everything's going to pan out. Just uh, with the rising rents, the people, business models that worked in Portland forever uh, for restaurants are now have outdated. Uh, There needs to be a totally new approach in a lot of situations. So I just have a ton of questions about 2017. Well, well, one of the New York used to be epicenter of what is going on in the United States. There'd be more cutting edge stuff going on in New York than most other cities. And because of the rising rents in New York City, because of the cost of opening up a restaurant in New York City, what I've noticed is kind of the middle of the road, people trying to generate as much revenue as possible. It means sometimes the food is safer. And maybe that's what we, we might be seeing in Portland. Yeah, more fried chicken sandwiches. Yes, yes. Yeah, I think so too. They Which is kind of scary. The investment, Portland... the the return on investment has to be there because now you've got bigger investors, right? And I... who are who have to see a return. Exactly. It makes a less interesting food city. It could, and that's the thing. But, but it Portland is. has something else going on that all I think coming from the East Coast, like a lot of cities in America, have gotten rid of all of their surrounding farmland with suburbs, and Portland does has not done that. For me, that is the most interesting subject moving ahead: is whether we develop uh, sustainably with our farmers nearby, or whether we're just going to wipe it all out like every other city. So it's Portland's. Portland has the opportunity to actually develop in a whole new way. 
from other American cities, which I'm really excited about. And I think the, 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 the farms will always be an integral part of our culinary scene. It's just like, do we have the talent of the chefs to take that product to and, and, and to create in, intriguing, uh, cutting-edge food? I don't see it. Does Not it yet. Ha- does it have to be cutting-edge? It'd edge, be nice. Or can it be delicious? I don't think it needs to be cutting edge. And I will also oh, okay. say this. Just good, so good luck with the pork belly. Just, just so people understand, I've been hearing the discussion of the farms and the, the concept of um, our urban district for a long time. But so people understand the difference here is we've got a lot of farms that are very close to our chefs and our restaurants who, ha- who can develop excellent relationships with them. That's not the case in other cities. I mean, the number of different farms you go to Toro Bravo and see, or many restaurants and see their suppliers or on their menus, they're all different. It's not, it's not always the same ones. It's incredible how the variety of farms and what they're supplying, the number of farmers markets here, and that that's where chefs are actually going to get a lot of their food. That doesn't happen elsewhere check, that I check know. Check this out. Um, Tusk, I was talking to Chef Sam, and he was telling me that uh, they, they're they working with a new breed of younger farmer who really wants to um, collaborate with chefs. So like they, this farmer gave Tusk a bunch of this really unique uh, for, type of melon. and But it's so unique that they're still experimenting, trying to figure out what breed, how to breed it better. So they gave him the melons for free, and they just said, whenever you get a sweet one, save the seeds for us and give them back to us. And that is a level of collaboration that is just mind blowing to me. That like they're shaping new breeds of melon uh, through working with really, really fine uh, restaurants. That's amazing. I like the idea of ending this podcast on that note because I think that that uh, just exemplifies what makes our scene very different than everyone else's, and the fact that we can sit here and have a really fun discussion about it. Right at the Fork is supported by PortlandFoodAndDrink.com. The legendary food dude dishes up Portland food news and comprehensive guides to just about everything that has to do with food in Portland. From coffee and wine shops to bakeries and more. Right at the Fork is hosted and produced by Chris Angeles and Court Johnson. Intro music by Ariel Varinas. Find links to her music in the show notes section. Connect with us on Twitter and Instagram at foodpodcastpdx or on Facebook at Right at the Fork or online at rightatthefork.com. And I